1: action fanatics welcome to another edition of the bulletproof podcast i am your host chris the brain joining me as always my co-host chad cruz and chad today we are going to be remembering a legend
2: a legend, an icon, uh, w- one of the guys who kind of made this site possible, who who helped develop the genre that, that we all love, that we watch just on a consistent basis, and the guy we're talking about is Bruce Lee. And joining us
1: in the guest chair, a legend in his own mind, the real Todd Gaines is back. RTG, welcome back to the show.
3: Hey, Chris, Chad, and you know, without Bruce Lee, we never would have had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. Or Don
2: the Dragon Wilson. Nice,
1: great points. Great wonderful
2: references. I I I appreciate those, and I agree with those.
1: Yes, I mean obviously, I mean, yeah, the Ricky Steamboat thing is kind of odd because obviously this was over a decade after Bruce Lee had passed away. But uh, yeah, obviously he was the inspiration and uh, and the ninja craze that was going on at the time. But
2: just wait until Vince McMahon watches Napoleon dynamite. We're going to get like some, there's going to be some wrestler with uh, a Napoleon dynamite gimmick.
1: Or maybe uh, Pedro Morales will make a return. I don't know. There you go. I don't know. But uh, before we get into our Bruce Lee tribute here, let's talk about bulletproofaction.com, the official website of the Bulletproof podcast. And, uh, we're nearing that seven-year mark, Chad. We're getting wow. closer and closer. Uh, but a lot of great things on there each and every day. RTG, anything you got uh, coming up that you're excited about? I know you. You know you usually have something in your back pocket.
3: Yes, I think we got a uh, gunpowder milkshake coming up. Also have the uh, conclusion to the Fear Street trilogy. I uh, also have a Bruce Willis review uh, with.
1: Oh God! People are are really yeah, and yeah. this would have by yeah. the time this airs, yeah, we would have already done our last Fear Street. We would have had our amazing Bruce Willis movie is that, that the, I know Jamie Chad, King. Yeah, J- it's, I know, yes, yes, it's yeah. the
3: Out of Death. Is, yes. yes, yes, yes. I cannot okay. wait
2: for everyone to read that review. I put out a feeler to Brain, and I said, "I see this movie is coming out." I have I may have access to it if I want it but please tell me RTG is covering this thing cuz I don't want any part of it.
1: And fortunately for you, yes. RTG did uh did already cover it. It was already sitting in my inbox waiting to be uh, posted on the site. So yeah, that <laughs> all went up last week as you are hearing this, but Yeah. next week as we are recording this, if you want to have a peek behind the curtain, but uh yeah, we've got, uh, you know, and then August is coming and, uh, that's versary month and we've got some big things planned Ooh. for that. So definitely stay tuned. Definitely check it out each and every day. Bulletproofaction.com. Always something new on the site.
2: And, and if I can jump in here real quick, Please brain, do. It, it reminds me that just because you haven't seen a film doesn't mean you can't read a post about it. Um uh, and I typically had, hadn't done this in the past. If I haven't seen a movie, I might not go on and read a review, or I may not go on and, and read someone's comments about it. But like this Bruce Willis movie that that will just been posted in the last several days, I have not watched it. I was kind of on the fence whether I wanted to watch it. You know, Bruce, Lee's, Bruce Willis is a legend, but I, I don't want to watch. It looked terrible. Not going to lie. So, but now I have the option to to go and read RTG's review about it. And uh, remind myself why I didn't want to watch it in the first place is most likely it was going to happen. So it can save me the hour and 30 minutes of watching it in about eight minutes of reading his post. And to me, that, that's a, that's a big, that's a big uh, help.
1: Well, yeah. If you're on the fence about a movie, I mean, and that's usually when I would check out a review. Yeah. is it, you know, If I'm on the fence and it's like, okay, you know, and, and I, I and yeah. the, there's action movies, but, We try not to put too many spoilers in the brand new movies. If we're covering something from twenty years ago, I mean, reveal all, and that's your problem. But the newer ones, (laughs) I try to hold back on a little bit. I know RTG definitely does. RTG's
3: Uh, the uh, king of vagueness when it comes to any new review, any movie. Because I don't want to. I want you to click on our post, and I don't want you to be spoiled. And I want you just to be able to, hey, get an idea of what it's going to be like, and and I'm not going to give anything away. Just. That's just my style.
1: Right. I try not to give anything more away than would be in the trailer, which will sometimes right. it does give everything away. But uh, yeah, like if you've seen the trailer and read one of my reviews of a newer movie, you're probably going to know the same information.
2: Right. And and I, the reason yeah. I brought this up was because I, I had seen a comment on the site recently. Someone had read a post I'd written like six years ago and and he was like, I'm six years late re- responding okay. to this post, but you hit the nail on the head with this. This movie was terrible. And I wanted to say, I'm sorry I wasn't there for you before you watched it. Right. But you should have been reading the site, so it's your own damn fault.
1: Well, that's true. That's a great right. point. If he had, if he had read yeah.
2: this when I wrote it or at any point in between, he would have never watched it because, because I don't lie.
1: And that would have been for the Often. 25th Reich, I believe. was the It end. was. You know, yes.
3: You know, like my wish and – What I'd love to see the site, and I think Brain and Chad, you will agree with me, is just I want people just to visit our site daily to see, hey, because we're going to have new content every day. Just click on the site, take a few minutes out of your day and see what we have, because we're one of the only sites that's going to actually have real content each day. Reviews and maybe stuff you don't know. We're not going to do any of that clickbait shit that some other sites might do. You know, just, just something to have a post. It's like everything we do is going to be value added to an action lover. So that's just my sales
2: pitch.
1: That's a good point. I mean, definitely, uh, yeah, definitely some work is done to each and every post. It's not just yeah. copy and paste a news story. Yeah. And, How uh, many
2: posts about Van Damme's hairstyles are you going to find on other exactly. action? And sites. that's
1: the other thing. Obviously, as I said, nearly seven years, we've got seven years of archive. So. If you just discovered the site, there's plenty you can go back and look on, and uh, we got some stuff coming up in uh, August that may uh, help you navigate the archives a little and, bit easier. And,
3: an, and another thing, guys, Ooh. is is you know we tend to stay away from some big films just because it's like like a, like a Predator.
2: Like, could you actually mm-hmm. sit down and write a review for Predator, Chad Cruz? Um, you know I I could. I could write something about it, but would be so biased. You know what I mean? It'd it'd be like trying to write, uh, you know, uh, to, to try and review something or, or talk about like your children. Right. Right. I I love that so much. Like it's going to be hard for me to like sit there and criticize my, my family or my kids or what have you. So, yeah, I mean, I could write something, but you're going to read it and instantly be like, okay, this guy, (laughs) I can't take anything he says seriously
3: yeah i mean I, I guess you could let me review it because then i'd start blasting and after everybody dies but that's for another discussion but i mean that's the, that's the thing is like we stay away from some of the big ones and even like today i was like the center of the dragon this is a huge film so i think but at the same time it's very important to talk about because of the legacy of bruce bruce lee i was about to call him bruce willis on oh, my Please god don't right? i know on. right i know right Let's, let's get yes, it.
1: that okay. is what we are going to be discussing here. Enter the Dragon. Um, and this one came out August 19th, 1973. One month prior to it, though, uh, Bruce Lee passed away July 20th, 1973. And it happens to be July 20th as this podcast is dropping. So we are on the anniversary of Bruce Lee's death. But, you know, we don't want to be depressed here on the show. We're going to talk about... Too late his, his greatest cinematic accomplishment Chad
2: yes yeah and, and it is maybe it's not his best film maybe it is to some people to me it's not uh, but uh, it's a fantastic film it opened a lot of doors it introduced so many people to uh, a brand new type of film uh, to this amazing actor and martial arts star and uh and you know blink your eye, a blink of an eye and he was gone and it almost added to kind of like that mystique about him like my God, look how amazing this dude is. And then, you know, snap of the fingers, he's gone.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really groundbreaking because you had Hollywood cooperating with Hong Kong, basically, and, and coming together to create this this martial arts masterpiece. And yeah, like you said, it, you, you may not consider it the best Bruce Lee movie, but it's certainly the most influential and, yeah. and his biggest movie for sure. In RTG, it, yeah. it kicks off uh, with uh, another guy who would go on to be famous because we get the old Bruce Lee taking on Sammo Hung, and they're both in some black speedos. Yeah, and, I
3: mean, and, and it's an interesting way to kick things off. I mean, what a way to start out a movie, right? Like Sammo Hung, who is probably weighing about two hundred pounds less than he is today, yeah. versus the uh, the legend Bruce Lee in speedos as they give a nice little fight and. Bruce Lee kicks his ass and he makes them tap out so it's almost this is like he's wearing wrestling trunks like tight wrestling trunks or almost right. they even even have like a MMA fight like i think right now uh, like like a Conor McGregor versus i'm not comparing Conor McGregor to either of these guys but i mean none of these guys would be doing MMA right now if it probably wasn't for right. Bruce Lee. I mean, I mean yeah, Bruce definitely. Lee. I mean this his uh style man has influenced so many fighters over the years.
1: Yeah. They had the gloves on kind of MMA yeah. Style gloves. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And the first 15 minutes of this film is essentially just, uh, you know, Hey Bruce, what do you want to do? And the first, the beginning of this movie, how are we going to introduce the public, you know, at large to Bruce Lee, you know, his fighting style, he's punching, he's kicking, he's, he's using yep. uh joint manipulation. he's like, uh, he's throwing, doing like judo throws. He's, he's got like every tool in the book. And I think that, uh, this very short exhibition fight with Sammo Hung, like it really shows uh, to to the like the extent of his abilities. Like he he he's not just like a guy who's going to do a bunch of flips and, and kick you, or or just wrestle you to the ground and tap you out. He can do pretty much anything, and he can do it lightning fast too. Yes, his speed. I mean, he's he's just so fast. There's there's no one
3: that's ever going to match his quickness, in, in my opinion.
1: Well, and that's something that's been talked about in the past like he had to actually slow down his style for the camera
2: right like if it was an
1: actual fight you you wouldn't stand a chance uh so bruce lee plays lee which Ah. is uh very interesting and he's a disciple of shaolin as a matter of fact this whole fight scene this little exhibition takes place at the shaolin temple supposedly uh and you know, when he's not doing the Shaolin thing, I guess he's some sort of government operative or some such thing, Chad. Is that what you took away from this?
2: You know, when I was young, I didn't care. Right. Uh, you know, I, I just watched it and loved it. I, I kind of like thought when I was a kid that he was like James Bond kind of look, like yeah. a, one of those kind of situations. But having rewatched it, I, I don't think he was. I think he was just a, he he was in the in the right place at the right time. He was a Shaolin disciple. He was had an invitation to this tournament, and it just so happened that you know the guy we're going to talk about later, Han, uh, was also a Shaolin guy, and Lee had the greatest opportunity to kind of infiltrate and take him out. So I don't know if he had done other missions in the past. I didn't kind of think that he had, but I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, it's
1: I'm kind of torn because then, but then he's got the whole I don't know. With the rope and it, like, uh, I don't know. Like, he seemed like he did some recon work in the past, but maybe yeah. it just, uh, it's just his natural abilities. I don't know. Maybe he's just
2: an absolute badass, right?
1: And and that's really the thing, and that's what we find. Uh, well, the, we have uh, Braithwaite, who's watching this whole yeah. thing, and he's definitely uh, got his eye on Lee uh, and has an idea for him. But before we get to the conversation with Braithwaite, Lee talks to the Abbot. Um, and they're they're just kind of discussing philosophy and the Shaolin commandments. No, Chad, did you you recognize this abbot from any other film?
2: No, I don't. You don't? No, I wasn't paying attention that, that it closely. Was,
1: it was Roy Chow who plays Shidoshi Tanaka.
2: Really? In I didn't...
1: Bloodsport and Holy Lao She in uh Indiana Jones Temple of Doom.
2: That's awesome. Yeah, I, I honestly wouldn't uh I, I told you where I watched this recently and and I was kind of like in and out of the room a lot. And uh, I didn't even pay that close of attention. That's awesome. That's yeah. a cool little fun fact there.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we got two uh, Bloodsport guys in this awesome. movie. Um, yeah. I, I had forgotten about it. I knew about it, but when I rewatch, I'm like, oh, yeah, Shadoshi Tanaka's in this thing. So, yes. Um, and then now, RTG, that's when, uh, well, uh, the abbot tells him about the rogue Shaolin monk named Han. But now Braithwaite. Wants to talk to Lee about Han as well.
3: Yeah, it looks like uh, old Braithwaite has a job for uh, Lee, you know, and he th- and he knows it Uh, what? Uh, it's a tournament, right? I mean, just he's right. trying to recruit him. He he's 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 hiding in the damn woods, and he's watching them. And then he also sees Bruce Lee, uh, or Lee, excuse me, talking to the little to the little kid, teaching him a little uh, what was that, like a little wax on
2: wax off lesson? Yeah, he's he's giving him his you know his, Dal G Kundo speech like he's he's really getting all his shit in, in in wrestling terms. And it when would it comes have been, to fighting and uh, you know the philosophy. It would
3: have been awesome if that little kid would have been uh, Brandon Brandon Lee if Brandon Lee was old enough to play that yeah. kid. That he was just you know just a little bit too young for that uh, part. But uh, old oh, Braithwaite definitely knows that he's got the right guy for the job and. And I think we also know that Lee has some uh ulterior motives to get into, right? The reason why he wants to go here to this tournament, right?
1: Well yeah, I think yeah. it it seemed to me like he wasn't gonna go, but then you know, now with, yeah. the, with the abbot telling him and Braithwaite telling him with this yeah, this whole thing with He's all God. about
3: honor. Like it's it's yeah. the honor it's the disgrace for of the temple or the sh- yeah, the Ab-
2: Temple. Yeah. Abbott's giving him all kinds of, you know, foreshadowing things that's, you know what I mean? Like if you sit here and listen to him, like, like, Oh yeah, that's going to come into play later. And then, you know, Braithwaite, he works for some sort of uh, a British, uh, I don't know, government group. I don't, it's not like MI6, but it's something. They don't do MI5.
1: They don't seem to like directly do anything. They're no. just kind of there to get the ball rolling. for some Right. Time.
2: It's like an intelligence group. He says, he's like, Oh, we can't like come in with, with guns, but we, we just get intelligence and we call somebody. So, uh, like you said, Lee isn't all about going at first, but then, you know, they talk about Han who's, who's holding this martial arts tournament and he was a former Shaolin disciple. Now he's a a, a serious bad dude and he's kind of like building up the idea of this, this tournament that Lee has gotten an invitation to, and it didn't seem like he was going to take it at first, but, but now kind of the pieces are falling in place to where he can go to it and, and maybe take down this bad guy at the same time. How do you think Han like figured out who to invite? I mean, because we didn't
3: have internet back then, so you didn't yeah. have internet back then. <laughs> I wasn't even born then. Back then, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't born. So yeah, how it's then? like
1: you couldn't watch like YouTube videos. And no. like, oh, that guy's no. very impressive. Let's uh, let's reach out to him. No, I don't know. That's a great question, RTG. I guess it was just yeah, especially like I mean, if these guys competed in other tournaments, you could see, but I don't think Lee was competing anywhere. He was right. Just,
2: but you know, if you're the top student at the Shaolin Temple,
1: right? Yeah, I and that could be Han. That, might still Han might still have some old contacts in the old Shaolin yeah. community. Very. That, that's probably it. Uh, then we get the the opening credits. So all this has happened. We haven't even got our opening credits yet, and right. that funky music hits Chad. And oh yeah, this is a, an incredible score.
2: That's that get down music. And don't you always talk about that?
1: Get down music. Yeah. Sure,
2: all the, the music, time. The music you get down to. You
1: better believe it. I That's I danced, what she said. I dance like <laughs> Vince McMahon down here and I, just, I can't control myself.
2: Yeah, it's one of those scores that kind of like hangs with you, and and that every movie after this would try to to uh, to recreate in a certain way. Um, and, and the visuals of the opening credits is cool too, because you're getting such a cool glimpse of Hong Kong, which at the time, you know, people who are watching this movie are mainstream audiences who. I have no damn idea what hong kong is and and it looks so much different now too if you were to think about it in 73 and then 2021 it's so much different now but um then it was like uh i don't know like this a place on the opposite side of the world that you never even thought about and it looks so cool on screen and i've actually watched some bruce
1: poytation movies where they directly take the music uh yeah. so that they're not just inspired they just yeah. straight up steal it and put it in their movie so yeah lalo schifrin incredible work there
3: yeah uh, not only blue uh exploitation, but black exploitation films as well oh hell yeah uh, yeah they're gonna they're, they're gonna copy this uh score or, or similar sounding scores either the shaft score or this score or, or a combination of both so this is a very influent, influential score for many years to come in many movies
1: And this is also when we start getting our first look at the other two main, I guess we would call them the protagonist in this thing. You got Williams, Jim Kelly and Roper. John Saxon is, and we kind of see them arriving in Hong Kong. Now you uh, brought up an interesting point, Chad Cruz, in one of your uh, articles that you wrote for bulletproofaction.com that uh, John Saxon was not necessarily the first choice to play Roper.
2: No, he was not. Uh, In fact, recently departed recently deceased William Smith um, was, was kind of handpicked by Bruce Lee to play the part. Um, and they just couldn't get the schedules to work out. You know, he he's done like 10,000 movies. Right. So uh, his schedule wouldn't allow him to do this film. So John Saxon kind of swooped in and took on the role.
1: And I would just, why we brought this article up the legendary manliness of William Smith. Yes. Uh, I, I don't know what's up with the comments on that uh, post. I, I don't know if you, did you see the ones from today? Uh, like if somebody so. else is like attacking you for, and all you said was, all you did was humor the guy who like questioned it. And you said, I mean, the article is a pro William Smith all the way. Yes, very I mean, pro. the freaking title is the legendary manliness of <laughs> William Smith. It's not like William Smith was a fake ass pussy. It's not, that's not yeah. the name of it. It <laughs> was the legendary manliness of William Smith. And yeah, the one, there was one comment on there from some time ago where the guy was like, I think it's all BS. You said, well, maybe, but I want to believe. So, yes. and But there's still people now, obviously, because it's got some more attention because of, as you said, unfortunately, we just recently lost William Smith and yeah, people are attacking. People
2: our, are calling me out for writing a post. Just praising paying tribute. Yeah. Paying tribute, tribute, praising this guy. He was alive when I wrote it. Uh, right,
1: it was his birthday, I believe. If when you post
2: it, yeah, he would have kicked my ass if he had read it, and I'd talk, you know, if I'd talk smack about him, um, even at eighty-three years old, probably. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I never, I never understood that. I read some of those comments. I'm like, what are these people talking yeah. about?
1: Yeah, I noticed a bunch of them just before we. Uh, got on on this uh, podcast and i, was like, I don't yeah,
3: get i can't it. wait to go back and read them
1: yeah i'm sure you'll be very excited
3: <laughs> and you guys know that um jim kelly was not the first choice either oh who was it okay his name is a uh, rockney uh tarkington you might know him from ice pirates or a uh, black samson actually too he played samson okay. in black samson he was actually filming for about three days and then he said fuck this shit and quit
1: because
3: <laughs> the pay was too low dang
1: well, that'll yeah. happen and you had jim kelly who is you know obviously used this as a springboard to kind yep. of start his own uh kung fu movie career yeah all right so what while, while uh, williams and roper are arriving in hong kong braithwaite and uh, lee are now having an official meeting we've got like a slideshow or film uh we find out kind of about han and this island where han operates and where the tournament will take place uh, there's a martial arts school. We are introduced to Hans bodyguard O'Hara played by Bob wall. Um, there's some sort of illegal activities, at least skin trafficking. There might be yeah. more going on in the Island and we'll find yeah. out. And we also learned Chad that they sent, uh, they've already sent in a female agent, Mei Ling, but yeah. uh, she's nowhere to, she's out of touch now, out of contact.
2: Right. She, she infiltrated the Island and, uh, once she got there they've lost touch with her so you can you know you can assume you can guess that that lee will try to make contact with her at some point
1: if if she's even still alive
2: we if she is alive at this point. we yeah. don't know yet
1: we don't know yet uh the annual tournament uh is really Hans only contact with the outside world so that goes back to RTG's uh question is how the hell did he find these guys yeah but I he did he every 3 have years talent scouts I would think maybe he has talent scouts too that
2: go out. And- I Definitely. think so. If you remember uh, the quest, Jean-Claude Van Damme's the quest, uh, yes. you know, they have these guys that that roll around, they hand you this big scroll that invites you to this tournament. I kind of think that's what Hans was like was he has, you know, he's got this massive network of, of illegal trafficking people and drug people or whatever else he does. And uh, he's got his kind of ear to the, to the ground listening for uh, great martial artists. So he sends out these, these people and these invitations. And that, that's how I see it anyways.
1: And we also find out that, you know, and, and to Lee's credit, he's like, well, why don't you just go in there and shoot him? Yeah. You know, like we know he's a bad guy. Why don't we yeah. just send in a bunch of guys and, you know, yeah, seal team or something and just get rid of these guys. Uh, but uh, we find out no guns aren't permitted. And obviously, you know, Hans Island is, uh, you've got some, quite some security there so you're not going to sneak a gun in um and but basically the other thing is you know they think they know this rtg but they don't have any evidence
3: yeah they, they 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 don't um so the only thing you have to do is is to go find out for yourself
1: find out for yourself and get to the radio room
2: it's yeah. funny because we did the podcast with michael worth and, and in his film uh there were no guns on that island. Island right. as well, but for a different reason.
1: Mm. Yeah, but do you think it was inspired?
2: I think so. Yes, yes, one hundred percent. But, but you know,
3: Bruce Lee wanted guns in this movie. I mean that that was one of the reasons that he wanted he wanted because he like loved guns. Believe it or not, I mean he was well, an I... avid gun collector, and so he was pissed. So that look when he's like acting like when he, when he finds out he can't have a gun. That, that that could have been real pissed offness because he could wanted to use guns. And, and yeah. the
1: other thing you got to wonder though is like how long was he going to be able to make just straight up kung fu movies? Like I think he saw, you know, you, you could there was a market to still do that, but also tie in more action elements, Dude. right? Which I mean, all, you know, which which we see now. But yeah, all, all know, these he movies was ahead that got made,
3: yeah, all these movies that got made like afterwards that he was even supposed to be in, like The Man from Like Hong Kong, when. That, right. one was, that was supposed to be Bruce Lee with, uh, I think, uh, Lansby, right? One yes. The, uh, and, I mean, that's that combines, you know, martial arts and guns and stunts and all that crazy stuff. And so just imagine, I mean, who knows how long his body could have could have lasted. But, man, he could have made so many cool movies after this. And it's just oh. crazy that this is like his, you know, this is his pinnacle film, his most accessible film his most successful and accessible film. And then he's dead before it even premieres. Yeah. I mean, it's just,
1: and that was another thing. Yeah. Another thing I was thinking about too, is like, let's just say this was the peak of his career. He, he lives and this is the tippy top of his career, Chad. Yeah. We got the video era coming within 10 years or less. Mm -hmm. There is no way in hell. That even if like everybody's like okay yeah, you had your one hit, you're a one hit wonder, you're done. There's no way Canon's not hiring this guy.
2: Oh yeah, I'm, there's and no he would, way
1: you know the 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 '90s direct to video era. Somebody wasn't going to hire this guy, and he right. would just continue working for until he died of old age. Not unfortunately, <laughs> and he would have
2: been well within that age limit of still doing sweet action movies. Uh, you know when like you said when Canon was kind of at its peak in the eighties so yeah he could have he could have put out all kinds of even like you said if he had gone if he hadn't been mainstream if he had kind of taken a step back as a b star or c star he still could have been putting out great action movies yeah we could have still had him i mean he was what nineteen
3: forty right is that the year he's born i, I believe, believe. So, the yep. year the year of the dragon nineteen forty so he would only be what eighty. 82, 81, 82
1: right now. Right, so. even, yeah, if he became the, the teacher, the mentor, yes.
3: the, the Shidoshi himself. The, the, the IP man, or the IP man, or however y'all say it, that right. trained
1: the real life Bruce Lee. He yep. he, he would have been taking all of Donnie Yen's roles. <laughs> yes. yes, he could have. Alright, well, now we start getting to, to a series of uh, flashbacks, and we find uh, we see Lee's sister. Um, and he's just kind of talking to this old man. I don't know what relation he is of, of them or just was a friend of the family, but we find out his sister had a run in with O'Hara, the bodyguard. Um, and he's basically Ted responsible for her dying.
2: Yeah. And, and old man is telling Lee about this and he had never heard this story. So it, it it's kind of like, you know, we're learning learning about it at the same time that he is. And, and it's just kind of uh, reinforcing the idea that Lee needs to kind of go on this mission. But, he, uh, yeah, his sister's on the island, and some of Han's men are on the island, including O'Hara. They they are super rapy and they're like, you know, eyeing her down, <laughs> and they just start chasing her. They beat the shit out of the old man and they just start chasing her, and she kicks the crap out of him like for a long time. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, you're, you're watching this 12 minute foot chase, and she's just beating these guys' asses for the whole time, the entirety of it, and then she gets cornered. And she uh, she picks up a piece of glass and shanks herself with it.
1: Yeah. And She did yeah. give manage to give O'Hara his uh, signature scar, though, before
2: that. I, I'm pretty sure the, the old man did that, right? Old, oh, no, that's man. right. The old yeah, man yep. did. I apologize. The old man. You
1: are correct. Yeah, he, he, and he lived he got to tell about it. In. He did. Yes, he did.
3: Yeah, so. that's the most surprising thing, is that old man's still alive to tell that story, because you would have thought that O'Hara would have gone back and killed him.
1: And then the other question is, why did it take so long for the story to get told? To, to that produce? is, I mean, yeah. Unless he was in, the, unless he was at the Shell and Temple, then I guess obviously well, you're kind I of mean, cut off from the yeah. other side. The world story
3: is right. like very uh, sad, and because I mean, she's about to get raped by O'Hara, and she kills herself. Right. Because I mean, she she's right. in the corner. I mean, you get that look in O'Hara's eyes, one of a of a predator, and and she knows, and so she, it's almost like what. She commits uh, Sepka, whatever, Hari Kari or whatever they call it, just kills herself right there. Yeah,
2: and then Lee, you know, he hears about the story, and then the next scene of him is going to the cemetery to kind of pay respects to his his mother and his sister's graves. And uh, at this point, he has decided that he's going to kind of take on this mission, and he's like, you wouldn't like what I'm about to do kind of thing.
3: Yeah, like forgive me, cause I'm about to fuck these motherfuckers up. I mean, yes, this was,
1: that that's this, the yes, the the translation have said that. for sure. And uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. So he already had the whole Shaolin angle going on, where his his temple was disrespected. Now he finds out this guy who works for Han is directly affected his family. So yeah, and, super motivated. And, and uh, this is
3: also like another brain, like a uh, plot cliche we'll see in films, like. You know, dead dead sister, dead brother, kidnap brother, you know, like sister street fighter. I mean, I can think of like a lot of films with this similar storyline you're going to see forever and ever and ever after this, too. Right.
1: Oh, yeah. A revenge tale will always work. Uh, we get our second flashback. Uh, this time we got Roper on the golf course um, and uh, we find out he has a bit of a gambling problem, RTG. Yeah,
3: I mean, he's also got a hot secretary. But and do, you, do
1: you know who she is? Uh, I, I, I recognize her. She played uh, Janet on Sanford and son. She was Lamont's fiance for a few <laughs> hey. episodes. How about that?
3: How yeah. about that? And, and so uh, Saxon's a roper. So we're going to learn his, his vice early is gambling and women. And he's not. And women. Yes. Women and gambling. And he's not, he's good at one and not good at the other he's a ladies man for sure right. but he's not he's he he's he's a whale right he, he goes big he wins big he loses big but he seems like he you know he lost his ball on the course and then he runs into these three uh enforcers and he he's, he's informed hey you owe us this much money so he gets out of there real quick and goes and talks to his uh, secretary and what he gives her about all the money he's got in his checking account, like sixty like, bucks. Yep. and she's so happy. You know, I'm saying that sarcastically, but uh, so this gets uh, Roper to the tournament. Yeah, he's hey, got. I mean, you know, what better way to get out, right?
1: Yeah, he's got to get out of town, and and a recognizable face, Uh, one of the thugs who confronts him. Anybody recognize him? I did.
2: Um, Nobody. Nobody. Colley Calkin.
1: No, no, it was uh, Pat E. Johnson who uh, plays mm-hmm. the referee in the Karate Kid movies.
2: <laughs> okay. The,
1: the very first one, what with did the guy we, with the mustache. Somebody he had
2: some, too much time. Three what times. was he in <laughs> recently that we talked about? He was in something else recently that we talked I, about.
1: He was? I don't remember. He him. was.
2: I remember looking this dude up and being like, he looks super recognizable. And it was only because I'd seen the picture so many times uh, from the, Karate Kid. All-Valley yeah, always- Tournament, yep. He's always in, front in the background. center, yeah. Yep. Um, well, so you're Roper, back in center, I guess. Yeah, back into the left. Roper, he, he's in the women and gambling. If he carried around a bottle of rum for most of the movie, he would be essentially just me on screen. <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, yeah. Well, I like him already. But you know,
3: a shout out to John Saxton for. Because if you think about it, John Saxon's not going to be your first thought of this guy that's going to do some martial arts. But he was actually like a, like, a, what, like a black belt in karate or something. I mean, some kind of martial He had martial arts training. I mean, he wasn't just a guy planted into the film because you had, a, I guess, an, an an Asian lead and you didn't want yeah. him, him carrying the film. So, I mean, even like the screen, like when you, the opening credits, it has Bruce Lee and John Saxon share the the top billing to this film but he he proves that he's actually a a a decent fighter i mean he's he's not a scrub you know i mean he's not just there to to be the token white guy right i mean right he he, i mean so hats off to him for actually being a guy that can fight hell of a jawline too oh definitely definitely
1: and then we get our flashback number three, and this time it's Williams uh, getting hassled by the cops literally for no reason. Yeah. Uh, just I mean, he's just walking. He's <laughs> yeah. doing nothing. Well, at first he stops off, visits his sensei. Yeah, I guess just say goodbye. Hey, I'm going to this tournament. And uh, yeah, on his way to the airport, these cops hassle him. But he makes the most of the situation, Chad.
2: He does. They, they're, they're, you know, the worst kind of cops you could think of. They, like you said, they kind of hassle him, harass him for no reason, and then he whoops their asses, and then he takes their car, right. cuts the lights on, and screams down the road, which is awesome.
1: <laughs> it's a hell of a uh, lot better than walking. I mean, dude, I don't know
2: if you've ever. I'm going to assume you haven't driven uh, a car with lights and sirens going down the road, but it is so much fun,
1: oh,
3: and God. And you know, like so far in this film, uh, Jim Kelly's stealing the show. So far, I mean, just that 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 scene when he's walking in the beginning, that you, you see him for a second, and like when it says introducing Jim Kelly, it just, the, it, the, the screen just yeah. stops him, and you can just see the charisma yep. and through his whole body. And then this scene right here, I mean, he's just so far, he's like, whoa. And for a lot of people, this could have been their first time seeing Jim Kelly even though it actually technically wasn't his first film, but, you know, that's okay. But he's he's definitely making an impression so far.
1: Yeah, this was a star, again, a star-making performance for him, and it's actually odd that he didn't have even a, a bigger career yeah. after this. I mean, he did yeah. obviously do some, you know, Black Belt Jones, and... Right. Uh, what's the one you three, had to three, three, three the Hard Way or something, he did yeah. that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there were there was movies but yeah, I think uh yeah, just wasn't... he he deserved more in, in my opinion.
3: He's one of the most underrated. He's got to be one of the most underrated uh martial artist actors guys that I mean, he's I mean, they're not built the same, but it's like Steve James before Steve James, you know? Like right. the cool like this really cool guy yeah. that that's stealing scenes just on like his you know, just the way he acts. So I mean, I'm sure Steve James was influenced a little bit, at least, by Jim Kelly.
1: Yeah, would not surprise me. Um, We find out that Roper and Kelly actually served in Vietnam together, um, and they have a little reunion on the boat going to Hans Island. Um, And then shortly thereafter, Chad, Roper and Kelly get their first look at Lee when Roper, surprisingly, is gambling again.
2: Yeah, they're like, who the hell is this guy? No one really knows who he is at this point. And then there's some... uh, i don't know some locals or whatever on the ship that they're on and they're they're betting on two praying mantises <laughs> and i was like that's awesome i need to do that i've never done that before so roper kind of swoops in and just instantly starts gambling and betting on on one of the praying mantises uh mantis mantises uh but Manton? uh and then, Manti, and then Lee yeah. bets against him and beats him, and that's kind of like a recurring theme yeah. throughout Talk- Roper's life. Yeah. I think.
1: So RTG's point, he's not very good at gambling. He
2: sucks. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: and then RTG, we meet Parsons oh, from yeah. New Zealand. Oh God. And this guy. I mean,
3: this guy's okay. Let's just—he's just a racist asshole. I mean, that's the only way to describe him because he's—he's he's just. Uh, he he's pushing around the poor little like porters or, or whatever the, the right. deck hands, you know, like picking on people like it definitely that's not, you know, just he's just he's just an asshole. And of course he's gonna have a little uh confront confrontation with old uh, Lee as well, and he'll get his uh his comeuppance. His comeuppance. Yeah, his comeuppance. Up come yeah, come yeah, a shout out to our friends at come up its, Review, reviews right? yeah. Yeah. yeah whether rtg stuff.
1: could say the word or not it uh, oh, yeah. doesn't matter still a shout out to you guys
3: yeah definitely definitely and well, I, yeah. I i do like how he how bruce lee let well, me i mean how lee what does he do like he just tells him to like the art of fighting without fighting the art of fighting without fighting there you go and he just gets the guy to go down like why does whoa why does whoa what
2: shit? get it dude <laughs> whoa yeah he tells him he's like i'll fight you but I'm not going to do it here. There's no room. Let's go to that island over here. So hop on <laughs> right. this boat, go ahead and jump on this tiny little boat, and I'll meet you over there. Whoops! I accidentally, you know, let the boat out, yeah. and then he's kind of stuck out in the middle of the sea.
1: Yeah, he's just hanging, being yeah, dragged, tugged. dragged yeah. in the yeah in the dinghy. Yeah, Which my bad. Funny.
3: He he did not go down on uh, Lee. That was <laughs> no, but <laughs> but talk about a uh, a swerve if he had. Yeah, that would have. Yeah. yeah, we would have. Yeah. I don't know if we'd be talking about this movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> what a star uh, making performance. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> he really respected Bruce Lee. Okay, uh <laughs> let's, so the boat does eventually reach Han, Hans Island and uh Roper, we he's immediately smitten with Hans' personal assistant. Yeah. And uh and we also lust. get Oh yeah, there's some lust in his eyes. And we also see Bolo for the first oh. time and he has some kind of like is it like a sweater or some kind of like, I don't know. He has an interesting shirt on, I think.
3: It's a muscle shirt, right? I mean, just... cardigan. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it's like, yeah, it's not like a shirt. It's like almost like a, I don't know. It's a, it's all right. Man, Bolo can could wear whatever the hell Bolo wants to wear. You could probably do... He probably had to get that crocheted because, I mean, the, those pecs, where do you find you, you a shirt that fits? You could do
3: a podcast on Bolo's
2: nipples. You oh know, just...
1: <laughs> I could, but I don't think I'm going to.
2: You know what if you if you were to go to bulletproofaction.com I'm certain that there are uh, articles based around uh, fashion action movie fashion and yeah uh, I, I know this because I, I I'm the one who wrote those
1: yeah you're hmm. you you really think outside the box every once in a while
2: <laughs> it's like
3: I was just saying how all of our posts were uh, meaningful and things you should
2: yes. click on and you should
3: (laughs) chat's talking about fashion fashion
2: action fashion action hairstyles and uh why you should name your son john even though
1: even though he didn't which is still the the irony (laughs) (laughs) this is what you should do people but i'm not gonna do it yeah can do you as say, I, "do as I can, say, not as I do"? Class. Can you, you say it.
3: "action fashion" five times uh, real fast? I don't think I can. I don't have time for that. you I can't, can't say
1: it. some things one time.
3: I, I, I can't. Sometimes my words just—it's—it's it's the, it's the southern in me, man. I can't. So you—so
2: we get to the island, right?
1: Yep. We're there. <laughs> We're there. Finally.
2: <laughs> there's tennis courts everywhere, yes. and there's dudes practicing their katas and shit out on these tennis courts. Unfortunately
1: uh, not to, uh, I've got the power.
2: No, that would have been amazing. <laughs> if they had, if, if somehow this, that power. song had been in this scene, boom, totally changes the dynamic of the film.
1: Somebody remix right. it on uh, YouTube.
2: Jeff Speakman. Hey, speaking of which quick, quick. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> real quickly. It's, it's going to be a three hour podcast. I had a quick conversation with, uh, my son's karate instructor and, uh, quicker he, than this
1: conversation we're talking
2: about jeff speakman we're talking about richard norton we're talking about all these guys that he's like friends with oh we're so, gonna
1: get us exclusive interviews there could have? be
2: some exclusive interviews coming up
1: all caps all caps when you put that on social media
2: exclusive
1: exclusive even if it isn't just put it in there
2: just if i get if i get an interview with van damme it's exclusive
1: well yes thank you uh yeah. So, yeah, we, we get to the island, as you said. We see all these uh, katas going on. But the big thing that the banquet to welcome the fighters and what a spread they've got here, Chad. Oh, yeah. You're drinking. What a perfect. Sorry. <laughs> there's,
2: there's, there's sumo uh, wrestlers, there's uh, uh, like circus acrobats, and there's like whores walking around. <laughs> Um, actual
3: actual um horse too real life horse yeah, real life
2: horse um, yeah. Roper is in heaven.
1: There's only like um, one of those dragon like uh, in in the uh, Chinese New Year celebration. Yeah, there's right? like a guys a, it's in like the dragon, five line. guys
2: in a dragon who are just sweating profusely under it. <laughs> They're like so pissed off because they can't see anything. Just tripping over each too, other. for some reason. Yeah, it's a really crazy idea. It's like a you know you, you see like a market in like a Renaissance festival. And it's like that, but in it under one roof. So it's pretty cool looking. I, I, I wish I were there.
3: I think it was the same sumo wrestlers from a uh, hard ticket to Hawaii too, as well. I'm they don't sure.
2: really do much wrestling. They're just kind of like no. rub nipples against each
3: they're other.
1: Just belly bumping. <laughs>
2: yeah. uh, it's poor. It's not good. sumo. And,
3: and they all just like, everything pauses too. Yeah. When, when, when Hans, when he gives us and those sumo wrestlers, they're just not moving. And then finally Hans stops talking and, They go back to hugging or playing nipple rubbing or whatever. Uh, Yeah, it's like
2: arm wrestling with nipples.
1: That's the that's the uh, yeah. That's a great scene though. Han comes in, music stops, everybody stops. He welcomes everyone, does a little uh, apple trick, and then he's he's out. And that's when uh, Lee believes he's found Mei Ling, so she is alive. Chad.
2: Yeah. Surprise. Yeah.
1: So then, here's here's something that RTG wishes, oh, would have happened yes. to him in his younger yes. days, yes. prior to his marriage. Yes, after the banquet, he goes to his or everybody goes to the room, and women are brought up. RTG, and, oh man. Uh, uh, okay. So
3: so imagine if here you are, you're listening to your music. I uh, you got some headphones on, like I got some headphones on right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm just jamming, and all of a sudden, this nice lady brings in about yeah, six or seven nice-looking uh, ladies. And, and you're like, ooh, they're for me? Awesome. So then you start to just decide, uh, how many do I want to have? And, you know, you, so, so, you, so you take four of them, and then you also make a comment that, you know, you, you had a hard day, you know, so, you, so you're kind of tired. So that's why you're only taking four with you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I would definitely would love to be Jim Kelly right there at that time. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I mean, yeah, was... I mean,
1: he if he wasn't already like the coolest guy in the yes. movie, Chad, I mean, yes. that scene yeah. right there I mean, pretty much cemented
3: it. I mean, maximum. Him and these
1: headphones. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that headphone scene, that scene just once again, every scene he's in, he's stealing. But also you got to remember that he's not doing any interaction whatsoever with, uh, with uh, Lee at all. Like, I don't think they speak to each other the entire film. So that's... Yeah, crazy. I think...
2: You know, Saxon is definitely second fiddle to Lee's character, which makes yep. Jim Kelly third fiddle. And, yep. but he is, he's kind of like uh, that, like you said, every scene he's in, he's, he's like, it's memorable. Like he's really cool in it oh, and he's yeah. charismatic. Yeah. So he gets, he gets really good lines and he says, so a few of the lines that, that you like, man, shit, I remember all his lines and there was only five of them. So he must've yep. been a massive character in the film, but. You know, spoiler alert, he doesn't last that long in the in the film. So, um, and you know every that scene that he, they he gets, he, he kills it.
3: And you know, they actually wanted to switch the roles. Originally, it was going to be Kelly that was going to make it and not Saxon. Oh, yeah. But, Sac, but Saxon had his agent change it. So,
1: oh, because uh, cause they were doing
3: like the fighting. like So, I don't know like if it was at the beginning or when the script or, or whatever – but but as we keep as as we keep watching, I mean how, how the film presents itself, it actually makes sense, the the ending to I mean, the outcome to me. I mean, as we get to it, just because of the interactions between Roper and Lee and the non-interactions between um, Williams and and Lee. So it 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 makes sense, but in a perfect world, I think everybody everybody wants Jim Kelly to make it through this movie, right? Just like everybody wanted Steve James to be to make it through Avenging Force, right? I mean, yeah, yeah, so huh, I mean, yeah, you, yeah. I mean, I mean, this is or everybody wanted Sonny List, uh, what's what's not Sonny Liston, right? From Predator, um, Billy Son Bear. Landum. So see, so, yeah, I know. Excuse me, I'm I'm kind of out of it tonight, but yeah, everybody wanted um Sonny Landem to live. Billy was he Billy Bear in a uh, Predator? Or am I thinking Forty Eight Hours? He was Billy. It was he was building. Billy. Okay. And then he was Billy Barron. Yeah, everybody wanted Billy to, you know, because I always say he's too badass to survive. And I've, I've brought up that in countless of things. There's always a character that's too badass to survive. And I guess, oh, our buddy um, Williams is that. And here right. knows this film.
1: So Roper, he doesn't want four women. He wants Tanya. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, the assistant to Han and Lee has a special request of Myling, but of course Lee's not into this like uh, Williams is. Yeah. he's uh, he's all business, Chad, and uh, Mai Ling kind of fills him in on what she knows, and a lot of it is about these the missing girls that you know the the skin trade aspect right. of what uh, Han's doing.
2: Right. So it's it's kind of a, another added element to uh, Han's. Uh, evil behavior on the island you know we already know about uh, we already have like inklings of like some of the bad shit he's doing but now she starts talking about all these missing girls and just the fact that she's still alive like all right we're about to get some more info um from lee or from myling and then of course later in the movie she plays uh, another role in uh in the action if you will
1: she sure does she sure does so then we cut to the next morning, and uh, yeah. Yeah. Lee is uh, shows up to this morning ritual, which I guess we kind of saw the uh, first day when they arrived. Um, but he's not he's out of uniform because I mean, that's classic Bruce Lee. If you remember uh, Fist of Fury, he was like the only guy in the white suit, yeah, and everybody else was in black at the funeral and and whatnot. So that's classic Bruce Lee. Um, Han shows up, kicks off the tournament. And we get our first matchup, and it's Williams against uh, old New Zealand's own Parsons. And then Roper takes on the Big Boss's son, which uh, I believe is Tony Liu. But yes, he played the Big Boss's son. Oh, Boss.
3: we also have some gambling through both of those those matches. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, so uh, Roper, this is actually, yeah, might be the only time he actually wins anything, right?
1: Right. Well, yeah, because uh, he's in direct... uh, Maybe because, yeah, he's in direct control of it. Yeah. You know. So he he knows how to do that, at least. Um, So that's our tournament. We get, like, two two fights. You know, I never saw any brackets. I don't understand how this tournament worked. I don't know anything about it, other than what we see. And we see two matches, and then we cut to the night. And uh, Lee's not staying in his room, RTG. Old Lee's on the prowl.
3: Now he's got to find out what the hell's going on, right?
1: Absolutely.
3: And so, uh, what does he do? He he's sneaking around. Evening. He's sneaking around. He's 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 okay. He's he's running around at night, right? This this is the he's sneaking around, seeing what's up, and this is also when um, uh, Williams gets out too, right? Williams is out. Yeah, Williams this night.
1: needs a little night air because he's had yeah,
3: another. He, uh, yeah, he's yeah because this is this is actually a a different night, right? So this is. Yeah. This is, this is the, what, that's the sound from Liam's room. Okay. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay. So, so he had like, I don't know if it was the same four, but he had, you know, or, or four more. So, you know, he's got a Yeah, little, The uh, first
1: four may not be walking right yeah. this day. So who knows?
3: <laughs> and then isn't, um isn't Roper like getting his like back stepped on at the same time as well? Yeah.
1: Roper's, was, yeah, he's, a, he's oblivious to what's going yeah, on. He, he's, he's in his he's, room enjoying he's, life.
3: He's getting banged and. And so, you know, Lee's out looking for clues. And and actually, um, Williams does see him. But I don't know if, I don't think Lee ever sees him. He just sees him up there like, oh, oh look, there's my buddy out there going up. To-
1: yeah, Williams is out there. Lee's finds the entrance to Han's underground operation, manages to take out some of Han's guards. Um, and yeah, and really the only one who saw him and didn't get uh, taken out was Williams. Yeah. Uh, so then the next day comes... Uh, and it's day 2 of this tournament with no bracket and han is pissed he's like someone was you know did not follow my rules oh. and and took advantage of my hospitality
3: yeah and they all get fucked up <laughs> they all get killed
2: all yeah from. instead of
3: he, he yeah instead of the people that actually calls the, God, the yeah, uh, yeah. they start him. he wants to make an example of the guards and he, and what bolo kills them all right does bolo kill all the <laughs> basically, guards basically yes yeah he murders all the guards in like three seconds, Bolo destroys him.
1: So yeah, so we have established Bolo clearly as a bad. Yeah. Just looking at right. him didn't tell you he's a badass. We now know for sure, he's a badass. So he's,
3: he's the ultimate heel. He's the yeah. ultimate guy that protects the the main heel, right? Yep. He's the the ultimate henchman.
2: If the sweater didn't give it away,
3: <laughs> the sweater, the the nipples. <laughs> I mean, he's he's a He's probably top five, at least, greatest henchman of all time, this Bolo character. maybe. I mean, and
1: this character is so great and so impactful that he basically became Bolo for the rest of his life yeah. because of that. Yeah. He changed
3: his name. He changed his name to Bolo after this film. And so, you know what? I'm just going to play this character over and over again, except that one time when I played a good guy with like Billy Blanks or somebody years later.
1: He had a couple of good guy ones, but yeah he he's definitely in the uh villain hall of fame for sure uh so since we get bolo and we we establish what he could do, Chad, it makes sense now that we get to see what Lee can do, and yeah. what a matchup for him in this uh, his first match in the tournament,
2: yeah, he squares off against o- o'Hara, who uh you know as we said it earlier they've got some history whether, Oh, I don't, did did O'Hara meant like, does he recognize who Lee is or does he know who he is? I don't
1: think so. He has no idea. I don't think so
2: either. Yeah. So he he doesn't really get it, but Lee has like this, you know, he's vendetta against him and he is going to make him pay. Uh, And and O'Hara, you know, he's, we see earlier in in the little videos that the, the British dude showed him and then Uh, Again, later on about him, he's like breaking boards and smashing bricks and shit. But Lee gets his great quote in, boards don't hit back. So that's kind of like that iconic line that he gives. Which Um, Bolo
1: kind of paraphrases many years later.
2: He does in Bloodsport. And Lee absolutely beats the living shit out of Um, (laughs) O'Hara. And then, of course, O'Hara having the, the dishonor of losing so poorly... And being the absolute piece of shit that he is, um, he, he kind of attacks Lee again. And uh, Lee, once again, makes him pay the ultimate price. Yeah,
1: you know, he's this, done. And this Han was, is yeah. Han's disgusted by it.
2: Yeah,
3: that was that was a squash match that would make King Kong Bundy proud.
1: Yeah, it was almost SD Jones levels nine yes. seconds.
2: Nine seconds Man. SD Jones. That level, is sir. Steamboat and Bundy. And Monday, SD, you big London. fat
1: piece of shit.
2: <laughs> and SD Jones.
3: SD, SD Jones. Jones, man. Got, look, SD Jones might have been a jobber, but he got so many women
2: back in the day. He, he also got a,
1: two different LJNs for some reason. Yeah,
2: good shirts in those LJNs. I wear those uh, shirts yeah. in a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> I, I know you would. Uh, so, yeah, Han is just disgusted. And so the tournament's just over. So, I don't like, there's not even like. Uh, it's obviously no bracket. There's really no schedule. It's just on no. Hans' whims. I mean, yeah. so they these guys could be here. I mean, if this crap keeps happening, this tournament could go on for about three and a half months. <laughs> no
2: wonder sure. those sumo guys just kept belly flopping each other. Like right. that's they, just all they did. Yeah, they had no root. They were just like, we have to continue this fight because they're getting paid, right?
3: But like a little earlier, I think uh, Roper made a comment to Williams when he's like, he's like, something's off, and when they were at the banquet. And he just
1: realizes that they're just trying to fatten him up for
3: yep. for,
2: for, for the prey, kill.
3: yeah, for the yep. kill
1: later, yeah. So since Williams was outside the night before, some of the guards did spot him. Uh, it, it's, I guess, somewhat logical that Han wants to question him because he thinks Williams may have been the one sneaking around because he was the one seen outside. Nobody saw other than Williams saw Lee. Um, so he's called to Han's study. And Williams is pissed. He's like, no way, man. I didn't do this. I have nothing to do with it. There was somebody else out there. Um, And then the guards are summoned. And Chad, we get to... Well, I'll let you take it from there.
2: Yeah. You know, Williams has already got a thing with authority. You know what I mean? He's been pushed around and harassed his whole life. Um, So he... At this point, Han is, is... They're not outright calling him a liar, but they're just... They're asking questions, and and Williams, he's not a snitch either. So he could have been like, yeah, right. bro, that was Lee. I saw that dude sneaking right. around in all black and shit, but he's not a snitch. So he uh, he basically just starts beating the crap out of these guards. Um, they, he runs through him like a, yeah, a, a hot knife through butter. Hot
1: knife through butter is what you're uh, looking for. Go for it. I said that. I know. I, hot knife
2: through know. butter is what he runs through him. Uh, okay. And then, uh, as you so cleverly state, Han takes matters into his own hand.
1: Aww. Right, we find out that uh, why he's wearing that glove.
2: Yes, indeed.
1: He has uh, different hands that he could put on, like a battle android trooper.
2: A vibrating and, hand uh, for lovemaking.
3: Oh, uh, yeah. But, you know, uh, Williams does have a good death. I mean... He- he he tries, I mean he takes out all the goons and he just I think uh, you know Han as the evil bad guy keel you know has to cheat a little bit to get that cheap shot in on Williams and then he falls into that like like what is that like uh what's what's that word? Psych- psychedelic room with some laughing hookers, right? Oh yeah, laughing and hookers. Just, just what a way to uh for I guess the the ultimate ladies man to meet his demise. By a bunch of uh, coked out um, hookers laughing at you as you take your last breath.
1: So All right then. then. Yeah. Th- next you. up, <laughs> Roper. Right Roper gets to meet with Han, and yeah. he gets like the uh, the uh, five dollar tour. He gets to see the museum, and then yeah. the secret operations are revealed.
2: Yeah, he's like...
1: This is like a recruiting mission at this point, Chad.
2: Yeah, he's like, uh, I bet you're wondering why I'm showing you all this. And as a viewer, I'm like, yeah, uh, I think he's going to kill him. (laughs) But So he he shows Roper like, here are all the illegal things that we're doing here on the island. What do you think of these these trafficking and drug process? Opium, yes, I do that too. So uh, Roper is is a little uh, concerned, I think, for his own welfare and then han basically says like i want you to come work with me i think that would be cool to do that and i I think roper might actually you know roper is different from williams we've learned that multiple times throughout the film roper is a survivor williams is a survivor as well williams had uh he had values he had morals like he wouldn't go against them he wouldn't snitch he like at one point, Roper's even like, "Oh, same old Williams," you know what I mean? Because Williams isn't the kind of guy who would cheat to win or any of that shit. So, but once Roper sees his dead friend hanging from the ceiling, yeah, he's like, yeah. "All right, no fucking way! Like, it ain't gonna, ha- <laughs> it ain't gonna happen, bro." Right, yeah. right. Which but is the turning Roper, point for Roper's character.
3: But, but also, but also, Roper he loves that pussy. I mean, literally, <laughs> yes. because he does he, indeed. He saves that cat. <laughs> that he thinks is about to get its head cut off. And yeah. It's just the interest to the elevator. So he told that cat and ate more lives. So he, he's definitely a, a ladies man who loves the pussy cat, you know? So,
1: yeah, I, I got you, Tom Jones. All right. Uh, Lee is on the <laughs> prowl again.
2: And, uh, bastard.
1: He's using, he uses a snake. To yeah. get into the radio room. Yeah. If you threw a snake into here right now, I'd be done with this show. Yeah, I I'm will done. tell you that right now. Goodbye. <laughs>
3: I'm, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. I'm Goodbye.
1: done. We're done with this. Uh, just it ends abruptly. I don't care. But yeah. So he throws a snake into the radio room. The radio room that somehow Braithwaite knew about. I guess through through the uh, surveillance.
2: Yeah. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Uh, photos. That, that works. That works.
1: Um, and then uh, the alarm sounds. And we actually covered this on one of our uh, YouTube clips. We did. Uh, Chad. Yeah, Um, you could check it out on our YouTube uh, channel. Um, And so, yeah, we basically get Lee versus Han's entire forces.
2: Yeah, Lee, you know, the the alarm sounds and you're like, "Uh, that sucks for him, but it's great for us because there's about to be a serious case of ass whooping being laid out here. And he doesn't disappoint us. There's about 30 guys, guards that show up with various weapons and abilities, and pretty much all of them are level zero or one, I think. But they're all terrible, and Lee just runs through them like he would. Uh, He beats the living shit out of them. Um, We see it. We get to see Lee use uh, like a bow staff. We get to see him use nunchucks, which is kind of his his like iconic weapon of choice. Um, And he beats the crap out of everybody. So um including jackie chan at one point jackie chan's there and gets hit in the face with a staff i think um but it's a it's an awesome scene it's one of those scenes that you remember from the film you know that the the movie has so many cool action uh bits in it and this is the one where bruce gets to like literally flex his muscles for like seven minutes straight yeah this has got to be bruce's
3: do you guys agree this is his finest hour in this film Oh yeah, I mean, this yes. is,
1: yeah, like Chad said, it's the Bruce Lee highlight. Really.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is this is totally just just this, this the speed once again. And he, he goes through all his weapons just like Chad said, and he beats the ever living shit out of about thirty jobbers. So yeah,
2: can you get wrong. those? You get those great like uh, camera zooms. Yes, where it like zooms in on him and his face. You get to see the beads of sweat and the. Uh, it's it's a it's a cool thing that would you would see for the next fifteen years in pretty much every martial arts film. So
1: Yeah, Han does eventually trap him though. Uh but and the wheel starts spinning in Han's head about, "Okay, what are we going to do with this guy?" Because yeah. he's uh, obviously somebody we need to get rid of. We either need to get him in the fold or get rid of him. Right. Um so not surprisingly, the next day, Han decides he's going to test his uh, potential business partner, Roper. Yep. And he books old Roper versus Lee, um but Roper says, "No, I'm not killing Lee for you. So, you you just done pissed off Han. So now, Chad, it's Roper versus Bolo.
2: Right. And again, we see what lengths Roper will go to to win. You know, he'll he's the kind of guy who gambles. He's the kind of guy who cheats and lie, cheat and steal. And uh, when it comes to survival, he'll do anything, whatever it takes to win." And he's like biting people and fucking low blowing them and shit. And like, you know, Bolo, you know, whatever his his strengths are, um, he doesn't uh, he doesn't stand a chance when when Roper is willing to go to the links that he's willing yeah. to go to.
1: Yeah. And then Han gets pissed with Bolo and just starts sending his minions after Roper and Lee.
2: By name, he knows like he's like yeah. Uh, Johnson. Yeah, you know, all these are all random names I'm making up, not Chinese names. But he's like Steve, Robert, Franklin. Go! He's, it's like what he you know all their names. That's oh, impressive.
3: Hold on. So so let's let's play a, a what if game. And what if it would have been Williams who survived instead of Roper? Could Williams had defeated uh, Bolo?
1: Yeah, I, I think it would have been he probably could have done it more straight up and not have to use as much dirty tactics.
3: So he he would have been the babyface overcoming the, the heel easily. Yes. yes. Yes.
1: I think well at least he had a chance. I, yeah. visually yeah. I could see that fight happening. Yeah. Where yeah, when you look at Roper versus Bolo, you're like, Oh, Roper has no chance. No chance at all. But and, Roper proves us all wrong. And
3: you would have had a a dead roper and possibly Williams seeing that his friend was dead, because you know, they were friends, they served a nom together, and they randomly meet six years later. But hey, that's okay. But uh, so it would have had that like that jolt of energy behind him, too. Like, hey, I gotta avenge my friend. And maybe with Roper, too, he was trying because even though Roper was he cheated, you know, he gambled, he 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 loved all the finer things in life and some of the shadier things in life. But I can honestly say that he was friends with Williams. And that death really took him, you know, he was, he was shook by that death. And so I think he used some of that energy too, to beat Bolo's ass because I mean, true. I, I would, I was thinking like, why did they pick, you know, Saxon to fight Bolo instead of Bruce Lee? Like, why did, I, I guess, I don't know if it was his, if it was Bruce's idea or cause you know, you had all these different minds, you know, you had the Chi, uh, Chi, Hong Kong filmmakers, American filmmakers, Together, like whose decision was this to have, like probably the baddest ass person in the film next next to Lee, of course, get beat by John Saxon? I mean, I'm with, just, yeah, yeah. I, I just, I just don't know. I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm cool with it. I mean, I'm cool with it because well, I'm glad it,
1: uh, because there's no changing it. At this <laughs> yeah, point. I mean, I, think, I mean,
2: we, we, we can't change it, but but why? I think it's smart booking, right? You know, Bolo is this uh, right, otherworldly okay, yeah. strong character, and. He loses, but he loses. You know, this is how you would book a wrestling match. Right. He saves, it's a dirty he saves win. Some, right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. He, yep.
1: he, yeah. he still has his heat, is what you exactly. would say in, he, in the wrestling high,
3: match. High heel heat would still be. He would still have that heat, no doubt.
1: I don't think he wore high heels. He did wear a sweater, though. Okay. So yeah. now let's talk about it. While there's all this chaos going on with with uh, the fighters, you pointed this out earlier, yeah. Chad. My Ling is, she's down in the. Uh, the dungeon, oh, free and yeah. prisoners, and now thing Now all hell's about to break loose.
2: Yeah, all the black pajama guys are getting released from their prison cells, and they're all you know malnourished and tired and beat down. But just wait till they get up they're on the tennis fight, courts, bro. bro. They, ain't well, no pickleball yeah, up there. Adrenaline. They're about to whoop. They're about to whoop some ass.
1: That adrenaline kicks in, and they're ready. They're free, and they just they're feeling it. Um, and Han. He sees this going on. He puts on a claw hand and makes a run for it. Uh, But Lee, he's not going to let this happen. He spots uh, Han and goes after him. And these two end up meeting in the museum that we saw earlier. And Han switches over to the blade hand and Lee shows up. And uh, just a great line here from Lee. You have offended my family and you have offended the Shaolin temple. And we get the final fight, Chad, and just an iconic scene about to come up.
2: Yeah, it's an incredible fight scene because um, we talked about how how the Roper Bolo fight was booked, and I think this one is 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 booked to perfection, right? You know, you're you're in the the setting that you're in is is advantageous to Han. He has a weapon. Part of, part of his body is a weapon. His hand is a weapon. A bladed weapon no no less and and he we continue to see that the only strikes he gets on on lee are really just this blade slashing him and and they remain on his body the entire time right we can see them happening and it's not really stopping lee but it's just pissing him off every time he gets cut a little bit more but but han is still getting his ass whooped And, and like to a serious degree you know lee is like straight like punting his head <laughs> like there's a couple yeah. of cuts yes. where he is just he really like laying waste yeah. oh my god the kick that it's just like you know <laughs> it's just like his whole body just destroyed uh but the, it and it's so great and it, of course it, it it all flows into this room that was foreshadowed earlier with the, the the false images and this and that but into that mirror room that that everybody remembers from this film yeah, yeah
3: those mirrors man i mean what what a way to film a scene too i mean this is this is one of the most memorable scenes again like you're always going to think about like this hall of mirrors it's just it's just well filmed and
1: and yeah i think it obviously was the inspiration i don't know if you saw john wick 3 but the uh, fight with uh john wick and uh, mark dacosco's character Mm -hmm. there you go
3: yep Yep. very similar uh set there yeah very very similar
1: i agree so after Han dies, uh spoiler alert, uh the Calvary shows up. Uh we kind of get Lee and Roper giving each other that respectful look. And that's it. Uh, one of the greatest martial arts films in history is all done. And uh what uh what a film. Uh Chad, your final thoughts.
2: Man, what a what a great film. I mean, it it really hits on everything that you would want a martial arts film to hit on and the lingering effects of, of how great it was continue on today. You know, you can't watch a, a martial arts tournament movie. You can't watch Mortal Kombat and be like, Oh shit, that's basically another the dragon. You know, a bunch of guys get invitations to go to a tournament. Uh, there's a guy who's like secretly undercover, you know, it's not Sony Blade, but it's Lee. And uh, there, there's just so many connections that you can make with, uh, with modern day film and video games and stuff like that. And, and not to mention Bruce Lee, essentially created mixed martial arts in a certain way. Uh, he, he took martial arts film mainstream. He was a star. He hung out with stars. He trained with guys, major, uh, you know, legitimate quote unquote, legitimate, uh, fighters, you know, guys like Ed Parker and Chuck Norris and Joe Lewis, like loved and respected Bruce Lee like he he essentially is the godfather of martial arts in a way and the fact that he was taken away so quickly makes him that much more uh, amazing so this movie is, is kind of like that swan song for him it's a, it's like that one he's not a one-hit wonder but this hit was unbelievable and it, it really yeah. when you watch this one if it's your first time viewing it in your first bruce lee film it like it almost forces you to go back and watch his other stuff, which is what, yeah. a, a, you know, if you're an actor and you make one movie and someone watches it and you're like, I got to see all his other shit. Like you've, you've hit the nail on the head. You've done the right thing. That's that's what you want.
3: Yep. RTG. Yeah. So Enter the Dragon is definitely, is like I said before, his most accessible film. And really for a lot of people growing up, this could have been like your only exposure to Bruce Lee because his other films were not, as readily available as enter the dragon was because enter the dragon, what was the first like U S theatrical release for, for Lee. And it played over and over and over on the superstation in the eighties. Cause I can guarantee you it did because it played before Georgia championship wrestling and after <laughs> Georgia championship wrestling. So uh, growing up watching, I mean really watching all three of these guys, you know, Saxon um, Kelly and, and Bruce Lee and, and just thinking about, to this movie and just just how just how influential bruce lee is and just we just would not have just so much stuff today without this guy and and bruce like like we're, we're getting we're hearing about bruce now even today like with uh the way uh with quentin tarantino with uh once Upon a time in hollywood is kind of his caricature of uh, bruce lee and just recently i think uh he was on the rogan podcast because uh, Shannon did not like the way Bruce was portrayed pro in that film, but you got to with Lee. I mean, he was always fighting to prove himself too, and that's that's the thing. Like, because you look at him, how what is he like one hundred and sixty pounds at the most, soaking wet? I mean, he was never he was never huge, and he was always had like people were trying to like fight him on fight him on stage. Like extras were trying to fight him during the film because he was he always had to prove himself. And and the crazy thing is, is he was the best at what he did. And and he's pro- he's the, he's the all time best. And but he but he, he never got to like go out. The sad thing is is like he never got to see his success. I mean, because people were constantly challenging. I mean I mean, this was a time when they didn't think an an, an someone of Asian like an, he was a, he, he was an American, but I mean, an Asian American could carry a film, which is total bullshit because Bruce Lee is just totally awesome. But I mean, all the things he had to go through, like I mean, when he was Cato, and like he, you know, I mean, just these caricatures he, that he had to play. And he said the only reason why he got the part was because he could actually pronounce like the name correctly. He was the only like Asian actor that could pronounce the name correctly, and so he, <laughs> so he never got to see the success of, of, uh, and it's sad, really. I mean, I mean, I mean, and then his son, you know, his son gets killed in the prime of what could have been. I mean, it's, it's, it's what could have been with Brandon and and it's this legacy that Bruce brought. And, and Enter the Dragon is, I mean, everybody needs to watch Enter the Dragon. If you haven't seen Enter the Dragon, uh, just just watch it. It's actually on the Criterion. It's, it's an awesome disc. I mean, I own Enter the Dragon on Blue. Like, I think I got th- at least three copies. There's actually two versions of it on there. There's a theatrical one that's kind of rare that runs 99 minutes. And that's the one I actually watched today, and it's a little bit different than the uh, extended version that most people watch. It's like the one hundred and two minute version, but um, I guess just to sum up everything, I'd say that I mean, there is only going to be one dragon, man, and I am just thankful that Bruce got to live. I mean, that Bruce lived. I mean, that we that we had him for thirty two years. Right. I mean, I, I wish we still had him, but I am just so thankful that we're able to sit here today and talk about the legacy. And I have nothing but awesomeness. I mean. I mean, what are we covering today, guys? We're covering warrior, uh, based on the writings of, of Bruce Lee. Uh, we're about to have a uh, Snake Eyes with a, um, you know, with these with these guys who maybe would not be lead actors if it wasn't for Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee right. broke ground. He, he he's a groundbreaking. He's he's phenomenal, and he he broke the stereotypes. He and it's just like like I said, I wish he could have seen it. Because damn, I sure do appreciate him, man.
1: Yeah. I mean, we talked about it in uh, Rumble in the Bronx, how that was like the perfect movie for the American audience to get introduced to Jackie Chan. This was obviously the perfect movie to introduce American audiences to Bruce Lee. But unlike Jackie Chan, uh, Bruce was not able to uh, capitalize on that and and continue on uh, due to his untimely deaths. Uh, But definitely glad that we are able to come on here and remember the great bruce lee here on this sad anniversary uh like you said rtg definitely only going to be one of him in our lifetime maybe in everyone's lifetime uh so there it is enter the dragon and uh we're about to wrap things up i do want to plug our twitter at bulletproof pod and of course instagram and facebook we are at bulletproof action and chad next time out Mm We're going to be talking about another just iconic film from 1987.
2: Yeah, we're about to get ultra violent on some asses. Um, Mm -hmm. Little part man, part machine story. Little. Oh, shit. Little uh, pull the pistol out of the the leg area story. Oh, yeah. Oh, Uh, yeah. Little toxic killing story being thrown mm-hmm. from a window of a skyscraper story. it. We'll talk about RoboCop.
1: Wow. RoboCop. It is going to be our next wow. one. It's our first in August. It All of August, we're going to be celebrating uh, the seven-year action anniversary. I like to call it, of Bulletproof yeah. Action. And our first of three episodes mm-hmm. in August will be RoboCop. And then, after that one, Eye of the Tiger
2: oh
3: shit oh shit i get I, I i bet you i know who's the guest star is gonna be for that one who's that gary busey the person who knows the most about cocaine and gary busey
1: that's right rtg will be back with us <laughs> for our eye of the tiger episode and then we've got a big one for the actual seventh anniversary i'm going to keep that under wraps just right now yeah
3: of course you don't invite me for the big one thanks guys so you I said
1: you that. weren't but now that you said that you're <laughs> off the list. Oh snap! <laughs> Cracking so here's out. what i'm gonna put right here fuck you rtg <laughs> okay thank you
2: i will i think I will. we
1: are about out of time this is uh, our uh this is our longest episode by far i believe yeah. uh, but bruce deserves it and he does uh, you all deserve it as well we love to provide you hmm. content bulletproof uh action fans or action fanatics if you will so for rtg and chad cruz i'm chris the brain thank you for listening And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast.
0: Hi, Geekscapists. The Geekscape podfather, Jonathan, here. In May, we lost one of our own, longtime Geekscapist Christopher Ellis, who was a friend and a part of our geek community from the very beginning. Chris even met his wife, Sarah, through our podcast, and their 2015 wedding seemed like a giant Geekscape party. Chris's final weeks battling in the hospital shed light on a huge national problem. The COVID pandemic has almost completely depleted our national and local blood banks. These supplies are used by thousands of hospitals to provide life-saving treatments to patients or to buy enough time for loved ones just to say goodbye. So for the next month and beyond, we're going to do it big in Chris's memory and do some good in the process. We're throwing a blood drive. Visit www.aabb.org to find a donation center near you or visit other blood and platelet donation centers like the Red Cross. And let's make things interesting. For the next month, take a selfie of yourself donating with the hashtag GeekscapeGives and tag your favorite Geekscape podcast. We'll pick some charitable geekscapists to send prizes to, and the podcast that gets mentioned the most We'll also get some cool rewards. I should actually cancel the podcast that gets mentioned the least. Can I do that? Whatever. The point is, go out there and donate some blood, tag a selfie of yourself doing it with the hashtag GeekscapeGives, and get others to do the same. We couldn't save our friend Chris, but we can do a whole lot of good in his name. Geekscape forever!